Coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by way of Stone Mountain, Georgia, birthed by the great state of South Carolina, is the Bryant Land Country Podcast, your place for any and everything in hunting, fishing, sports, and outdoor related, with heavy doses of randomness, guests, and an all-around good time. Here's your host, proud Gamecock, South Carolina Forever, AB3. All right, now, everybody, welcome to the Bryant Land Country Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to hit that download button on whatever platform you choose to consume your podcast audio. We greatly appreciate it. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening to us on that Apple Podcast deal, make sure you hit those five stars and leave us a sterling rating and review. This week, I have a guest for you guys. I've been looking at the past podcast for this month so far, and it has occurred to me that you guys really do not care about what I think as far as like on different topics and just me going along and talking and giving my opinion and stating my experiences and stuff. I shouldn't say you don't care, but according to the numbers, you guys like guests better than just having me. So I listen I am responding. I have a guest this week. He is a wildlife biologist from the state of Colorado. His name is Elon Striblin. We had a wonderful conversation. I bought him on because I wanted to talk to him simply because he is a comedian and a wildlife biologist, a very accomplished fisherman. So that's why I got Elon Striblin on the podcast here today. So I'm going to fall back. You guys kick back and listen to my conversation with Elon Striblin on the Bryantland Country Podcast. So I got Elon Stribling on the line and I've been thumbing through your page. And like I said, when we uh, first got on the phone, one of the things that drew me to your page is you do looks like you do a lot of comedy along with your fishing. And I had uh, Josh Carney on um, a few episodes ago. In addition to his hunting and expeditions and hunting videos and stuff, he also does comedy. So I'm always drawn to guys that are actually getting out there and doing stand-up comedy. But before we get into all of that, I really need you to explain to me being on bear call and chasing mountain lions out of town because we were trying we've been trying for a couple <laughs> times to put this together and you know one time we were going to do it and you said you know i'm sorry i've been on call i've been on bear call all day when i'm not doing that i'm chasing mountain lions out of town so what is it exactly you do and where are you i know you say colorado but you know let folks know where where are you and what exactly are you doing yeah man i'm uh I'm uh, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. Once I graduated from uh, Colorado State University uh, last December with a degree in wildlife biology. So I've always been, you know, drawn to natural resources, drawn to the outdoors, drawn to wildlife, and just being immersed in nature. And I got a position about uh, maybe a month or so ago um, with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and which is just a state agency that handles um, wildlife and a lot of the state parks and stuff like that. My job, my title, my position is nuisance wildlife technician in in my area, which is area two, which is I work from Boulder, Colorado, kind of southern Boulder, Colorado, uh, all the way to Fort Collins, Colorado, and then a little bit east and west of that. I mean, I, you described it. That's my, that's my job. I uh, wake up in the morning, I'll get texts and email alerts about bears in the cities, bears in people's backyards, bears in trees. Today, I had a raccoon call where I had to go pick up a raccoon and relocate them and then you know if someone sees a mountain lion um, while they're hiking or 
while they're backpacking or, you know, in their tree or in their yard sleeping or whatever, then I have to go either, you know, watch for them and try to scare them away, haze them away, or I help tranquilize them and put them in a cage and see if we can't relocate them to another part of the state or another part of the area that's not so concentrated. So there's some days I work 14, 16 hours a day, most of the time just sitting, watching bears, going to check on bears, going to check on roadkill, relocating bears. And some days were like, today I was in the office most of the day looking up fishing spots and then I had a <laughs> raccoon call and a bear call. And I, all I did was went and caught the raccoon and relocated them and then went and checked on a cub bear that's been roaming around Boulder um, and made sure he wasn't getting in trash or anything. And, you know, if they're not a problem, if they're not hurting anyone, if they're just in the city, and we try not to really tranquilize them and relocate them. We just kind of scare them back to the woods, to the forest. But if we can, we try to we try to capture them and make sure it's an unpleasant experience and make a lot of noise and stuff like that. So that way they don't they don't want to come back to uh, eat people's garbage. So that's I mean that's my job. <laughs> right. I don't know how I got it, but uh, no no day has been no day has been dull so far. Well, that, so, that's always been, a good thing. I mean, anytime you can work. Yeah. A job that, you know, keeps you motivated and that's not boring. That's always a good thing. And I mean, you're working in the outdoors. So what made you yeah. decide to, uh, to major into that? Yeah, I was, uh, I wanted to be, I've always loved animals. Even my name, uh, Eland, my first name, it means largest African antelope. So I've, I've always just have a inclination to, to wildlife and being outdoors and animals and stuff. And I was growing up, I wanted to be a vet. You know, I was that bright eyed kid that's like, I'm going to be a vet and I'm going to save all the animals. And then, once I, you know, started taking vet classes my freshman year of college, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so I, uh, and so then I kind of looked around my school and looked for different opportunities and found that there was a natural resources college and there was everything from fish science to, you know, habitat management to conservation science. And I finally stuck with wildlife biology and learned as much as I could and loved it. And now this is what I do every day. <laughs> Nice, nice. Now, were your yeah. were your parents, you know, big in the outdoors, or your dad or mom big in the outdoors? You know, like you said, your name, you know, coming from largest African antelope, were they big outdoor folks? Uh, not really. I mean, everyone in my family, most of my family is from Louisiana and Chicago, and like from the cities, you know, and no one really was ever big in the outdoors or camping or fishing or hiking. And but uh, my gramps, my grandfather, he was a uh, he was a wildlife biologist. Nice. in uh south africa and then um he worked for the division of wildlife here in colorado so and he was the only in his agency at the time he was the only black employee so i mean i could walk into any colorado parks and wildlife office and be and see someone who worked here 30 years ago and be like hey do you know my grandfather and they're like theodore washington <laughs> and i'm like yeah that's him so it, he and he's the one that named me he's the one that taught me how to fish and fly fish and just like how to identify species and he's a big bird guy. So I grew up looking at birds and I still am not as good as him, but you know, bird calls and all that. So he's, I think he's the original black sea bird one, but he let me uh, have his name. It's funny. Cause that's a perfect segue. Cause I was going to ask you, how did you come up with the name, the black Steve Earn? So it was basically off from your, uh, from your grandfather. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Steve Irwin is like one of the dopest people that's ever lived. I mean, I grew up watching the show with my grandfather. And so I grew up watching, uh, you know, The Crocodile Hunter when I was younger. And that was like, that was like my go-to show no matter what time I got home or whatever. And so um, I've always been inspired by 
conservation and, and education is another big part. And, and Steve Irwin, I think, embodies that. And then, you know, I'm not afraid of who I am or my culture or where I come from and stuff. So I just, I mean, I put it in Black Steve Irwin on Instagram and no one else had it. And I was like, all right, well, I can't never get rid of it now. <laughs> That's awesome. I Awesome. So you said yeah. that your grandfather started you with fishing and stuff. I've never, you know, fished uh, in Colorado. So you do like a lot of fly fishing. That what I understood that you said? Yeah, that's that's a. Uh, I didn't start fly fishing until my freshman year of college. So uh, five years ago, six years ago. But uh, growing up, he took he would take me just regular spin fishing, and you know, like those old stories where you wake up at four o'clock in the morning with your grandfather and he's listening to blues music and you guys head to the lake and set up and then just hang out all day and that was i mean i spent the first 16 years of my life just doing that with him wow um, and we would catch everything from you know sand fish to i'd never from my recollection i could never remember getting a good sized bass it was always little bass but he would catch catfish carp all of it trout and then once i got into fly fishing and once i got into wildlife biology i really became like more fascinated with fishing and fish cultures and fish hatcheries and uh, everything from warm water species, saltwater species, freshwater, I mean cold water species. So on the, in, in a very weird way, everything's kind of just like falling into line where I like, I, I just love what I, what I do every day and I get to geek out with other people. Right, right. Like I said, anytime you get a job that you absolutely love, it definitely yeah. makes, you know, life going through a lot easier. So in your position, what's the craziest thing that you've seen? Like what's what's the craziest thing or like the crazy most or the craziest, excuse me, craziest experience you've had uh, in your job position? So I probably have probably so far only two of them. It's only been about a month. I mean, cool stuff has happened, but nothing, uh, nothing like super crazy. One time I was in Boulder, Colorado, and there was a mountain lion call. And, you know, there were, I don't know, 150 people like standing uh, around this corner and we're all looking. So we like turned the corner and there's a dead bobcat on the top of this like uh, electricity pole. And it's like completely limp. You like look at it with the binoculars, like it's it's dead. Um, and you can kind of see where it got singed a little bit. And then we're like walking up to it, and we're like, "How the hell did that happen?" And then we get closer to the power pole, and there's a dead mountain lion at the base of the power pole. So we're assuming the bobcat was trying to get away from the mountain lion, um, went up the pole and got electrocuted, and then the uh, mountain lion had singed scars all over its body, like it, you know, touched the wires and its paws were all burnt. Wow. I've, I've never seen a like a mountain lion that close, and I mean it, it's a you know it's a hundred and thirty pound animal, right? Um, right. And and there, and all the animals we've seen, I mean you know even the some bad pretty bad roadkill stuff, it, it, just all the animals are are so pretty. But you know when humans and wildlife come into conflict with stuff like that, like it most of the time doesn't turn out that great. So that was pretty crazy. And then uh, we have a white tail fawn that's being raised right now mm -hmm. and i didn't see it personally but the biologist that picked her up she was inside her mother's womb and the mother got hit by a motorcycle and killed instantly and the baby was like born by force when the motorcycle hit the mother the baby was born prematurely and so the wildlife biologist like found the lamb and has been like raising it ever since so wow. i mean that's pretty so yeah so you got you guys did you guys induce labor or are you saying like the accident made yeah the... like like the like the driver said like when he hit the um the doe the pregnant doe 
he, he like mm-hmm. hit it broadside, um, like you like you were almost if you were shooting to kill it, like right in the right. like heart lungs area. Um, he said he hit it broadside, kind of right in the stomach, and then went to go check on her after he got up and the baby wasn't in there, and then the baby was like down the ways a little bit in a grassy field, born premature, but now is living life. So the he induced a little labor with a with a motorcycle. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it just shows you how, how badass some of these animals are that you can be hit by a motorcycle like that's how you're born so right and i mean you know people and i've heard stories you know of deer taking different shots and taking you know from 30 out sixes and then yep. having broadheads stuck in them people highly underestimate how tough you know these yep. deer are i mean it, it's it's truly remarkable yeah, any sort of game species or prey species, I mean, they're they're built to survive, so. <laughs> now, having, you know, seen all that and being around bears and being around, you know, cats and stuff, do you hunt? Do you go any on any bear hunts or, you know, cougar hunts or anything like that, or you just pretty much stick to the fishing? Yeah, I've, uh, I've never been hunting at all. I mean, um, there were summers where I would go down to Mississippi uh, with, you know, family members over there on vacation, and we would shoot squirrels in my great uncle's backyard, but he would do with whatever he wanted with them. But, um, yeah, I've never been on a small pheasant hunting, bird, big game, nothing like that. And it's not like I've never, like I'm opposed to it. I've just never had that opportunity. There was no one in my family that was like, hey, you know, I'm going to teach you how to hunt. I'm going to teach you how to shoot a gun. I'm going to teach you how to skin an animal and, and use different parts of the meat and stuff. So I plan on it. Like this next year, I plan on hopefully getting to Montana and hanging out with some friends who, you know, go black bear hunting. I think would be really dope. And um, I just have a bunch of friends in Colorado who uh, shoot waterfowl, and I, I think I'm going to be into that. So, yeah, once once the opportunity presents itself, I'm, I'm there. I just haven't had the chance to do it yet, you know? No, I've, I've never bear hunted. I've had a few people, you know, trying to get me into bear hunting my taxidermist being one and then ryan uh the buddha that i had on a few podcasts ago he's trying to get me uh to put in a tag and actually go bear hunting my my biggest thing with bears is you know hunting something that is pretty much trained to kill yeah um even though they say the black bears you know it's not like going grizzly hunting right. or anything like that but but i don't know I'm, I'm slowly i'm slowly coming coming around to it so i i don't know i can tell you though you know waterfowl hunting duck hunting you know goose hunting and stuff that's very addictive yeah. um once you, so tread <laughs> tread with caution because yeah. <laughs> once you go and you actually enjoy it man that, you're gonna want to go a lot and you're gonna want to go often i mean it, it, it's fun and it's addictive yeah that's i mean that's what i've heard and I like that you have that respect for bears instead of just going out and being like, oh, I'm just going to kill one. No, bear, yeah. bears and cougars, like my taxidermist, he just came back about a month ago from a, from a bear hunt, a cougar hunt in Utah, and then a bear hunt, I think, in Saskatchewan or some, somewhere in Canada, he went on a black bear hunt. And like I said, getting out here, fooling with deer and turkeys and hogs, yeah. and that's one thing. But now you're talking about a praying 
animal. Yeah. You know, animals that are instilled with millions of years of instinct of to hunt. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> and, and bears and cats can climb yeah. trees. So I don't know how I... How I feel, you know, my taxidermist, he was like, oh, I just think you're scared. Well, you know, you can think that, but I wouldn't say scared. I I call it a healthy fear for animals that are, like I said, have a million year head start on me when it comes to survival and hunting. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe one day, you know, I might give it a try. But, you know, right now I'm 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 still on the fence. Have you ever have you ever eaten bear or mountain lion? Because I've never have. No, and it's funny because I haven't heard, uh, I haven't really ever talked to anybody that had mountain yeah. lion. Uh, Ryan claims that he can make bear meat taste amazing. It's 50 50. I've heard some people say that bear meat is like the pits, and then I've heard some people say, like, you know, oh, it's awesome. And, you know, like I said, Ryan claims he can make the hinds. The, the butt, yeah. the roast, you know, part and the shoulder part, um, he can get those turned into a ham and you could never tell the difference. Like I said, I've never tasted it. I don't know. So, and that's the other thing too. Like, you know, if you, you kill a bear or you kill a cat or whatever, you know, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge anybody that wants to go on those type of hunts, but in theory, for me, the animals that I hunt, you know, I enjoy eating, right, you know, right. I enjoy eating wild hogs. I enjoy eating deer and turkeys and, you know, ducks and geese and whatnot. And like I said, I'm not knocking anybody, you know, that wants to go on those hunts, but I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Short answer to your question is I, I don't know about, you know, how the mountain lion or bear would taste. I mean, I guess, you know, it, the default answer that everybody uses when it comes to a uh, wild game is just, it's all in how you prepare yeah. it. So, I, you know, yeah. now let's get back to, you know, the fishing. Okay. So you said your grandfather was the one that kind of got you into fishing and stuff. Now you, do you travel to fish as well or you keep it right there in Colorado? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on exploring every nook and cranny of, uh, Colorado and there's a lot of hidden gems here um, in terms of places and uh, species of mostly cold water fish. I've uh, spent the last couple of days doing some research on uh, uh, the Rio Grande cutthroat trout. You know, I've spent the past couple of days kind of researching and looking at where they originally lived and some of the alpine lakes and the rivers and stuff. And so um, I'll, I, I like to explore Colorado, but I've also fished in South Africa off the shore of New, uh, oh, wow. New Zealand and, uh, I mean, not New Zealand, um, Australia, and then uh, New Zealand, like I said, I think I spent a week in New Zealand. So I've got to, I've gone to a few different places and I fished in like Montana, Idaho, uh, where else have I fished? Nashville, North Carolina. Um, so I've, you know, if I'm going somewhere for a couple of weeks or whatever, I'll bring, you know, my five weight, some flies that I, I think would work and then a little bit of extra material like tippet and leaders and and then I'll just throw it in my suitcase and you know if I get a chance to go out I'll go try to find some fish um and if not at least I have it with me so yeah I'm not right. I'm not like fish specific uh I love trout but I'll catch I'll catch anything that that is willing to take my fly I hear that and you just ride around with your pole so just in case you come up on somewhere yep, you can drop you can drop a line yep I have it in the back of my car in the pond or someone pool had a bunch of carp in it uh-huh. I'd, I'd go and get them 
Wow. <laughs> wow. So let's circle back to fishing in Africa. Was that with your grandpa? Like, what, how did that come together? No, yeah. We went on a uh, trip for my mother's, my grandmother, I think. Even my mother and my grandmother's, like, birthday part, like birthday celebration. Grandmother's turning 75. So we went to South Africa, and through the power of social media and Instagram, I kind of just sent out a message, and I was like, hey, do any of my followers, do I know anyone <laughs> who knows someone in South Africa. And this guy <laughs> uh, hit me back and was like, yeah, man, like, I like you and you seem like a, you know, a cool, good, good guy and I'd love to fish with you. And I was like, dope. The whole time I was stressing, like, what do I need to bring? Am I going to be able to pack this stuff? And he was like, don't worry about it, man. Just, if you show up, then I'll come and pick you and pick you up in Johannesburg and we can go fish. And so that's, that's how that happens. Spend the weekend fishing for uh, just rainbow trout and like the, and like the African bush or African backyard i don't really know how to describe it um, right. i was afraid i was i was i was, when you think of africa you think of animals and so i'm thinking like like there's gonna be a lion i'm trying to catch a 10 inch rainbow trout but uh there was none of that there was a lot of pretty birds and a bunch of few other people on the river so it was cool to get chat with them for a bit um and then yeah that was that was my weekend fishing in south africa so man that sounds exciting I mean, definitely, like you said, worrying about, you know, the other predators, you're at a water source and yeah. lion or something walk up, but it sounds like you guys had a pretty good, uh, good time and a good safe time. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, it was cool just talking to people in another country about fishing and how they kind of view public land. And, you know, most of the fish that they caught, they returned as well, which I thought, I, I figured that, you know, most people would take fish because, I mean, I do a lot of catch and release, but if I'm camping or if I'm backpacking, then I'm going to eat. So it was just kind of cool me kind of seeing that with, you know, within people and then in regards to fishing. So Right. What was some of their takes on just like public land and stuff in South Africa? Like, is it a lot of it? Are they, you know, are they fighting, you know, to keep it? Or what, what, what kind of takes did they have? Yeah, well, it's... um. I would say it's more, uh, it's easily, maybe not easily protected, but there's more fear of people just going out into the, you know, if you're close to the city, then it's fine, but just going out and exploring the water, it's it's a little different because there are like the kings of the jungle that could be there or jaguars or elephants and stuff, or, I mean, even big herbivores. Right. Um, and so, but the the way it was set up is like each, each river has different beats, uh, like sections. And so you have to like be a part of a club. And then if you're a part of the club, you can fish those beats or those sections or whatever. Um, and there's seasons when the water is closed mm -hmm. and then there's seasons when it's open and you can, you know, if you're a part of the club, you can go fish the river or fish the beats. And so it was kind of interesting. It's, it's not public, like how we think it's public where it's like anyone can go and hang out and fish or drink or relax, but it's not private where you're not allowed to go on. You just have to kind of be part of a conservation group or like a, a fishing, it's not really a fishing club, but yeah. Right. And then is there any kind of like licenses and fees to do this, I would assume? No, like when you're a part of the conservation group, you, you like pay a fee, but that's it. You don't have to have like a, a Colorado Parks and Wildlife license or anything like that. So. Wow. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. Now, how was and then how was New yeah. Zealand? Is that pretty much the same the same type of thing as well? Uh, I, I think New Zealand might be, and I'm afraid to say this on here, but I think New Zealand might be the the most special place to me on this earth. 
I mean, I was there for nine days. I think I saw three other anglers mm-hmm. while we were there. And, uh, I mean, we just, we rented a van and we would just drive and drive at night and then wake up, like fall asleep late, wake up and fish, you know, trout streams where trout have been undisturbed for a long time. And there's, you know, so it, it was you and the 30 inch trout. you and the three other anglers that you had just met or like, what, what was the genesis no, of no, the no, trip? In, oh, the, it was just me and my friend saying, Hey, let's go to New Zealand. That's it. Wow. It was, yeah, it wasn't like a family trip or anything. It was just me and my friend, uh, Cody, who's overseas right now. It was just me and him saying, well, like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, let's just take a trip somewhere. And we we're like, let's do New Zealand. And then we bought tickets and bought a, uh, or like rented a van and then went to the grocery store, bought, bought a bunch of food so we could cook and eat. And that was it. We spent nine days on the water and you definitely have to buy a license. And the one time we saw a, uh, I don't know if they're called park rangers or game wardens or whatever uh but he did he did check to see if we had gotten one so wow did you um, did you have to get the license before before you left or yeah okay yeah yeah we we like bought it online just just to make sure there was no like you know when we showed up we couldn't find a place or like the moment we land we were like all right like where's the first stretch of water we wanted to right and uh we ended up fishing on this guy's we ended up fishing on this guy's land um where he was hurting like where he had like a sheep farm but um, we didn't know it was his land because we had started fishing at like six o'clock in the morning and then you no know, he was out there working and we were like hey man sorry we're we kind of messed up is it okay if we fish here and he was like oh yeah you're good wow <laughs> and so we just <laughs> spent that spent that evening fishing and catching uh catching some very very memorable fish so Man, now is that the same deal like in in South Africa, like where they have like the public land concerns and stuff like that? Yeah, there was. I mean, with I mean, with any country or state or city or whatever, you're gonna have like different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there was definitely the people I was with were concerned about protecting the water, protecting the natural resources, protecting the forest. And then they were, you know, telling stories about companies, organizations that were trying to, you know, build another highway through there or build another college or build another whatever to kind of impede on that. So, you know, from the people I were with, it was more focused on the conservation and the, and the water and the land. And then, of course, there's other people that just want the money side, which... I mean, I could partially understand it. And, so. Right, right. No, definitely, yeah. definitely. Man, and how old are you? 24. Wow, that's awesome. You've been able, 24, and you've already been able to fish New Zealand and South Africa. I mean, man, that's those are experiences, you know, memories of a lifetime. And at 24, to be, to already have had those, man, that, that's pretty awesome. That's probably my favorite part of fishing there's not much and it kind of sounds cliche but it's just the people i've gotten to meet and whether that's you know in montana in north carolina and wherever i've been just hanging out and meeting people and then you know you meet someone else and you're like hey do you know so and so and they're like yeah that's a good friend of mine um and then you kind of i don't know get like a weird fishing family (laughs) or you know a hunting family where you Maybe some people know spots, but you won't share spots. But if you're, if you're part of your fishing family, you may let them in on a secret or poke around about something. So, right. yeah, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah, because, I mean, it definitely can be a pretty closed society kind of thing, yep. whether it comes to yep. your fishing spots or your hunting spots. No, you're right about that. So tell me about the stand-up comedy. How did you get into that? Like, what, what made you, you know, do stand-up comedy? 
Um, I've always, like you, man, I've always, I've always been a fan. So growing up watching Seinfeld when I was very young, or not Seinfeld, uh, not the show Seinfeld, but Jerry Seinfeld stand-up, okay. and then watching uh, the Chappelle show, and then Mad TV, and then Kai Williams came out with American Hustle, and the whichever stand-up was before that, it's, it's skipping my mind right now, but I've, I've always been a fan of stand-up, and I've always wanted to do it, and idolized this dream of selling out theaters and stuff, and then I wrote a bunch of jokes in a notebook, and I was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and I probably spent like three years in high school saying I was going to do it. And then my freshman year didn't do it. My sophomore year didn't do it. My junior year didn't do it. And the second semester, I was like, well, like, I think I'm, I think I'm funny. No one else thinks I'm funny. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, I, and I enjoy talking in front of big groups of people. I, I love talking in front of crowds of people, whether that be, you know, 10 people or a hundred, if I get the chance. And I've never been afraid of public speaking and stuff. And so one day, one night I just, it was, January 19th, um, MLK's birthday, January 19th or 16th of 20, last year, 2018, and uh, went to an open mic, and I bombed. Like, I got no laughs. There wasn't <laughs> I got, there was nothing. Right. And it was like a music open mic, so it was like there was music, and then you could do whatever you else, and I just asked the guy, like, hey, can I do jokes and he was like you want to do stand-up and i was like sure and i went up there and i i maybe got one smile but no laughs and then i was like well there has to be a better place to do stand-up and the next night i found like a comedy open mic mm -hmm. i went there and you know did five minutes of just stuff uh, like off my head like i think i joked about bees i think i joked about uh barney and i think i joked about a few other things and People were laughing, and other comics came up to me and were like, hey, that was, that was pretty good. How long have you been doing it? And I was like, this is my first time. They were like, no shit. Uh, and then just fell in love, and I don't know. I, I do stand-up probably six, five or six nights a week at open mics or oh, you wow. know, at shows or whatever. So Wow. So is um, this something that you long-term that you um... – Yeah, I, I plan on doing it long-term. I don't plan on being – you know, if it happens, if I can get a Netflix special, if I can get on HBO, Comedy Central, dope. But like – I when I say I genuinely just love doing stand up, mm -hmm. that's it. There's something about getting in front of a crowd and they're anti and they're emotional and sometimes they're they're riled up and then just, you know, doing jokes a certain way and tweaking a joke and maybe switching a punchline or you know, if someone in the crowd is talking shit, talking shit to people and then making the whole crowd like be on your team, right. I think that's pretty I mean, I don't know, there's something goofy but there's something I like about it. So if I if I become famous from stand up, cool. If I don't dope i mean like in fish mode so, uh, <laughs> i was gonna say because shoot doing stand-up that might even open you up to to fishing more but no that that is so cool that is one of the things you know like i was telling you you know when we first started like people always say like well if you had it to do over again or if you could press the reset button in life you know all that kind of stuff i you know my first answer is always you know stand-up comic it's like you said i i enjoy making people laugh you know and people in my small circle or you know like my kids or whatever just you know to see them smile or to see someone smile you know at work if they're having a tough time and then you say something crazy and they just start laughing or smiling or whatever you know man i i believe in the power of laughter um absolutely and, and i just you know i enjoy it and Chappelle is probably well not probably he's absolutely hands down my favorite comedian he comes to atlanta almost every father's day and by the fact he was here this past father's day and i went to that show um but yeah Chappelle show is a classic to me i think dave Chappelle is probably like i said one of the 
funniest guys ever. He's definitely my favorite comedian, but man, that's pretty cool. Hope that continues to work out for you. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, yeah, I saw basically he came to uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater here in Colorado, and uh, I went with my friends. And my friends, they knew I was excited to see him, but I don't think I've, I don't think I've cried seeing another grown man before. <laughs> but, man, when he came out on stage and he brought out Michael Che, who's a Netflix special, who's SNL, who's on SNL, and then he brought out uh, Donnell Rawlings, Bachelor Larry from the show. Yeah. And, and they murdered, and then he got on stage with John Mayer and just... Like, I've never, I don't know, I've never seen someone just, like, just naturally, everything they say is funny. And from doing stand-up, I can tell what's structured material and then what's someone just talking and being goofy. And, yeah, man, stand-up stand-up's pretty pretty dope. And you should do it, man. There's no, no, there's no time stamp on it. Right, right. All, I mean, all it takes is going to one open mic and being like, that, that, felt, that felt good. Or maybe it doesn't, which is a, how I do most of the time, where I'm like, that didn't right. But Right. <laughs> I don't know. That might that might be one of those things like you just you just go and do it without, you know, any kind of thought process. Yeah. Like you just out one night and it's like, you know what, there's an open mic, you know, I'll get up here. If I do two or three minutes, if I bomb I bomb, if I do two, three minutes and people giggle, you know, then good. You know? Yeah. Now do you have any of your like have you recorded any of your open mics? Like are they on YouTube or anything? Uh not my open mics. Oh I so um I'll record an open mic to listen to the jokes I wrote. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time I go to an open mic, you know, new material or whatever. So I record on my phone, like the audio on my open mic. Right. And then the video, I, I rarely record video. The only time I record video is if I'm uh, at like a comedy club or it's like a, like a real show that people... Because most of the time open mics, people just kind of show up and we try out jokes on them. But at a real show, at the showcase at a comedy club, mm-hmm. um, I'll record video. And uh, I'll record video and just, you know, watch how I use my body language or if someone says something in the crowd and I, I joked with them or riffed with them. So I can text you a link to uh, my YouTube stuff. I had to list or link all my YouTube videos because um, there were some people that were, I, I heard a guy say one of my jokes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was like, I got to take these off the off the YouTube, <laughs> and so I'll I'll send you the link, and you you can you can share it. I just I just don't leave it open for comedians to you know right go snoop around. And I'm not I'm not saying I'm good. I'm not saying I'm the greatest, but I I think I do have a few quality jokes, and I don't want you know I don't want to see someone Netflix <laughs> be like was that wait that was my joke right. I mean you know flattery is the uh, what is it the uh, or copying is the ultimate form of flattery. It's a sincere form of flattery. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously you're doing something right. Yeah, but I, if they if they're gonna make that, that's okay until they start making money off of it. Right. If they start exactly. Money off of it, then I want I want some of that flattery too. I want right. Some of that. You want your you want your <laughs> cut. No, I I, yeah. I don't I don't blame you, man. Elon, I I've really enjoyed talking to you and just hearing about these stories of fishing in South Africa and New Zealand. Man, before I get out of here, though, let folks know. I know you said about your YouTube, but let folks know where they can find you and where they can follow you at. Oh, man, you can uh, you can friend me on, on Facebook, pretty much everyone, and I love seeing new people on my Facebook because right now it's just comedians, and that can get boring because everyone makes really bad jokes. So follow me on Facebook or friend <laughs> me on Facebook. Uh Elon Stribling, and then uh, I'm on Instagram as the Black Steve Irwin. Uh, not the, it's just Black Steve Irwin. Just Black Steve Irwin on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter 
or or anything like that. But um, if you follow my Instagram, I always post stand up videos. And um, next year, I'm going to try to work on some cool podcast ideas with with fishing and comedy. So uh, check out for that. But otherwise, thanks for talking to me, man. Thanks for inviting me and letting me talk for too long. No, you you are great, <laughs> man. We'll uh we'll get you back on here, and uh once you get some more uh fly fishing stories and a couple more comedy shows and stuff, we'll get you back on and check in and see how things going. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Thanks, Elon. Once again, I want to say thank you to Elon Striblin for joining me on the Bryantland Country Podcast. We had a wonderful conversation, and I hope to get him back on again. In the meanwhile, make sure you check out his Instagram page, at BlackSteveIrwin. On Instagram, he's got some great pictures of fish. He's got some of his videos from his stand-up on there. Really great follow on the old Instagram. As for me, before I get out of here, I just want to remind you, BryantLandCountry.com has everything Bryantland on it. Our website, BryantLandCountry.com, has all the past podcasts, has all our videos, has our merch, blog posts, everything outdoors, everything Bryantland is on our website, BryantLandCountry.com. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at official Bryantland on the Twitter at three Bryantland and on Facebook Bryantland. Thank you guys for your support. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and I'll catch you guys next week on another episode of the Bryantland country podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bryantland country podcast hosted by AB three. Please leave us a positive review and five-star rating on iTunes. Be sure to check out our podcast section on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, for previous podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Official Bryantland and Twitter at 3 Bryantland. This has been an AB3 Media Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Bryantland Country Podcast.